welcome to the Baseball Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, is my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, championships are over, hopefully. Champions, championships are over in smart leagues. In smart leagues, yeah. But for all intents and purposes, for us, the fantasy season has come and gone. Yeah, kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. That we How'd were... you do? Oh, I lost. Yeah, I, 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 I lost. I ran into uh, Josh Allen, who did very, very, very bad things to me. Um, I ran into Devontae Adams, who did very, very, very bad things to me. Cooper Cup was civilized, and I thought, I thought, you know, maybe I had a chance. Uh, Rashad Penny, I had in a lineup, which I was like, I had Rashad Penny and Amon Ross St. Brown could be false hope. And then Devontae Adams just kind of came and crushed that. And then it came down to uh, Nick Chubb versus Deontay Johnson. And we all know how that went. Yeah. Did you go up against Jamar Chase at all? No, I did not. I did not. But I do know of uh, there was one championship that I w- that I saw it was in. It was in our the non-co- league. The non-co-on. Yes, the non-co-on where the eventual champion did have Jamar Chase. And it was it was not a surprise given that uh, that said team was an absolute wagon. I know. I'm like, I'm not even surprised. I wasn't even surprised. I'm like, I knew it. Like nope. halfway through the season, I knew that that team was going to win. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it, which, which is why that manager could not get anybody to do a trade. He, he had been trying to get a, get a deal done for most of the year because he was in need of, of running backs and just no one wanted to do a trade with him because his team was just was was ridiculous. And it, pr- it proved at the end of the day. Yeah, his team was 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 uh, was quite stupid. And uh, and, and Jamar Chase, uh, Jamar Chase gave him a championship at uh, at three o'clock. Well, really, what you should be doing after a season like this or just any season in general is reflecting and seeing what you could do better next time. If you didn't win a championship or what you can, you could see what you did right and try and replicate it for next year, unless you just caught lightning in a bottle because that happens. But really what this is going to be about, this show is going to be about things to learn, things to take away from this season that can hopefully help you come 2022, which we are in currently. Correct. We are uh, we are six months away from uh, from when draft preparations begin, and we uh, you know it's kind of crazy that you know now with the with the extended season and and everything like that, it really is six months in full fantasy swing. Six months, you're on a break. So now, oh, we Roger, have- Roger planned it this way. Roger did plan it this way. It's very very nice for my OCD. So. Thank you, Roger. I, I do, I do appreciate that. Yeah, there, there are, there are definitely a lot of things that uh, that a fantasy manager can take away from from the season and the uh, and the kind of craziness that that it brought along the way through all of the, the the COVID, through injuries, through just many many ups and many many downs. There are a lot of things I think fantasy managers can take away from the uh, from the season that was. Yeah, I think one thing that you really should take away from this season in general, in the abstract, is you need to be agile as, an, as a fantasy manager. Yes. You need to be able to think on your feet. You need to be quick and kind of not 
get too flustered or overwhelmed when shit hits the fan, when you have multiple players out with COVID. I mean, hopefully this is not a problem next season, but it might. So you might have to think about this again, but you know, this is really, this really put the fantasy managers who succeeded and found success, put them to the test, really tested their mettle as far as making quick lineup decisions, snap decisions, being decisive, that sort of thing. That's one thing that I will definitely take away about this season is just being able to be able to pivot and make quick, correct decisions. Agreed. Agreed. But really, we're going to be going position by position here. And starting off with the quarterbacks, I'll tell you what one thing I learned about quarterbacks this year is that I was wrong to downplay the rushing numbers. I was very wrong to downplay the rushing numbers. Good man, Adam. (laughs) Good man. Because rushing upside kept a lot of mediocre quarterbacks relevant and mediocre throwing quarterbacks relevant. You know, not naming any Hertz's. I mean, names. Yeah, I mean, I mean that is that is the truth, ain't it? You know, we uh, we we talked about this throughout. Adam and I had many many debates about uh, about what was you know the, the the key, I guess, to to trying to figure out what exactly the deal was going to be in terms of how you properly assess quarterbacks. And I've always said it that if you can get a significant rushing floor from your quarterbacks, you're going to be better off. And I mean, I can give you a great example. Look at the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Josh Allen had 117 carries this year and six rushing touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes had 57 carries and two touchdowns. The difference in points between Mahomes and Allen, Josh Allen at 370 points, Patrick Mahomes finished with 328. So the rushing is is significant, significant factor in Josh Allen's and Josh Allen finishing above Patrick Mahomes. And I can I'll give you a little tidbit uh, here for all of the uh, for all the dynasty players and for all the people that are considering doing um, startup dynasty drafts. Josh Allen for me is the number one quarterback in dynasty. There is no doubt about it, and there's no disrespect to Patrick Mahomes to Justin Herbert, to Kyler, to even Lamar. They're all great in their own right. And if you get any one of those quarterbacks, you're going to be in a great spot long-term. But Josh Allen, with what he can do with his arm, what he can do with his legs, and, and you have that for the next 10 years, yeah, that's that's cash money for me. Yeah, I'm going to look. Let's look here at the top 10 quarterbacks as far as – Full, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter for quarterbacks, full point PPR, but as far as scoring, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. That's 10. Yes, yeah. that's 10. So aside from Tom Brady, whose legs are made out of stone, all of those guys are mobile. 
agile quarterbacks. And Lamar would have been in there if Lamar didn't have the injury that he had. So even further adds to the point. Yeah. So all of these guys like to use their legs. And I mean, really the one exception is that, I mean, I'm surprised that Herbert, like for the bad weeks that Herbert had, I'm surprised that he had such a great season, but yeah, he, he really did have a great season. And well, Herbert, Herbert also had four 30 point games and basic basically was a 15, 20 point guy outside of those 30 point games. So he, he was model consistency for anybody that had uh, Justin Herbert. And I mean, it's a great season for Herbert. I mean, 4,631 yards, 35 TDs, 14 picks and 301 rushing, rushing yards and three touchdowns. I mean, it's a really good season. And he also had a 40 point game. I should add. Yes. And that was the Cleveland game. That was nonsense. Right. But yeah, it's the the rushing upside. I mean, that's that's my big takeaway from the quarterback position is that you can't discount the rushing upside. I'm going to kind of eat crow a little bit, and I'm going to say that drafting late on quarterback wasn't the move. Because really, if, if you think about it, what guy that you were taking super, super late really, really panned out? Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford. Maybe, maybe, but Jalen Hurts still, still in, in, in 12 team leagues, Hurts was still a top 100 pick. So I, I don't know if Hurts would, would be, would be in that category of a guy that you drafted late. Like if we're I talking mean, about Burrow, late, maybe. Joe Burrow, maybe Joe Burrow is probably the only one that would, uh, would, would break the mold there. But I mean, just looking, looking at like the top end guys, let's just look at this top 10, shall we? Mahomes, he was drafted at the two eleven. Josh Allen. He was drafted at the three ten. Kyler Murray, the four, five Lamar Jackson, the five, three Aaron Rodgers, the five eleven. Dak, 6'7", Herbert, 6'9", Tom Brady, the 7'6", Matthew Stafford, the 8'1", Jalen Hurts, the 9'4", Joe Burrow, the 10'4", and you keep going down the list, you know, there's there's really not much there. I mean, maybe outside of that, you're looking at a a guy like Kirk Cousins, who, according to this ADP data that that I have here, he was drafted in the 14th round. He he just I mean, was drafting not, Kirk Cousins. Well, right. That that's the point. Who, who who actually was going out of their way to try and draft Kirk Cousins? The the answer is probably nobody. I mean, I think you the except like, yeah. You go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. So sorry. Uh, I think the exceptions yeah, are Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, and that's about it. <laughs> Wentz, Wentz is an interesting, he's an interesting one because I don't know if Wentz, Wentz wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. He just didn't give you enough of a week to week floor for him to be like, for him to be even a consistent start. Like he had, he had a run in the middle of the season from week four to week nine, where he was 15 points or better every single week. 
which, which, which is great. He had that stretch for sure. But then he also had a seven in there. He had a six, nine, nice, 9.8, 10.8, 5.7, a 10. Like, a 10 those in are the kind of weeks. Week. I understand. Yeah, those, those, are the, those are the kind of weeks that, that, that do kill you. They, they, they definitely do. So I think, I think really what, what I'm taking away from this is I think in that you, you ideally, if you're going to go bottom of the barrel for quarterback, as they say, bottom of the barrel cannot be in that round 11 to 13 range where you were drafting guys like according to this ADP data that I have here from uh, football diehards, go check them out. Uh, they have Justin Fields, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Ben, uh, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. That's in that 11 to 13 range. Ideally, I guess what bottom of the barrel is kind of looking like is you probably want to have a quarterback in your drafts. And we're, we're talking single quarterback leagues, not, not even super flex. Super flex, you want to have two quarterbacks locked up by round six. That's like, that's the maximum, probably. You probably want to have them locked up by like round five, four. But ideally for me, from based, based on what I'm looking at, you probably want to have a quarterback, at least one, you want to have a quarterback in a spot by round eight. Yeah, I was going to say double digits, but yeah, round eight probably makes, makes more sense. But, but double digits, I mean, if you, were, if you were to go double digits last year for a quarterback, the only, double, the only double digit quarterback that panned out was Kirk Cousins in round 14 and Joe Burrow in round 10. Everybody else was taken in that round nine or higher range. Well, yeah, like I'm saying, you know, double digits is like a, if you don't have a quarterback by double digits, you fucked up somewhere or oh, you yeah. need to mm-hmm. find somebody on the waiver wire, somebody like a Kirk Cousins, because they're always there's always one or two guys that might, you know, blow expectations out of the water. Correct. Correct. And I, and this is not saying like I, I want to make this point clear, because I think some you don't people, win your leagues in August. Let me tell you. No, 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 you don't. You don't. And, and it's. I want to make this point very, very clear because some people are going to, are going to listen to this and say, oh, wait, you're, you're bottom of the barrel guy. And I am, I am, I am. But the bottom of the barrel definition, I think, has changed for me as, as what exactly bottom of the barrel entails. But if you don't get one of those guys and you are you know, going to play the QB streaming game, it's not a terrible game to play. It, it, it isn't. You just need to, you need to hit on on the guys that you are that you are going to be uh, going and targeting like and i guess the good news uh for 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 some that are going to subscribe to this is maybe you get deshaun watson back and now deshaun watson is in this picture as another quarterback that you can you could potentially draft maybe if russell wilson goes somewhere else depending on his destination maybe he becomes a bit more appealing than his situation right now in seattle uh, Ryan Tannehill, when he gets Derrick Henry back, and if you can say AJ Brown gives him a full year, he'll become more appealing. Maybe another year of Jalen Hurts uh, in the Eagles system, maybe 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 that becomes a bit more appealing as well. So they're gonna be options, especially especially in ten to twelve team leagues. They're gonna be options where you can go and at least have one of those quarterbacks by round eight, round nine. And be very, very comfortable with who you're starting. 
But if you're in a, if you're in deeper than that, if you're in 12 to 14 and you don't get like a top 12 guy and you're going to be playing the street, the streamer game, it, it, it really depends on what guys are going to be out there. Like maybe you take a dive on Trey Lance and you pair him with someone like a, like a Kirk Cousins. I, I don't think it's a, that's a terrible mix. So you take, you take the upside with Lance and the floor of Cousins. That's not so bad. Maybe you, you, you want to trust in Tua with his connection with Jalen Waddle if he's going to be in Miami next year, Tua, mind you. Maybe, maybe that's a situation. Maybe you want to go for Mac Jones in year two with Josh McDaniels and the, and the Patriots. Or Zach Wilson. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Zach Wilson. I mean, hey, hey, I know the Jets lost, but I give him credit. They, they went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. Well, they should have won, but that's I, besides the point. Well, my father was at the game and he was screaming like a little girl when Tom when Tom Brady threw that touchdown. I mean, if if only they had just gotten the right play call. If I'm Zach Wilson, uh, am I thinking, wouldn't you be thinking, oh, why do they want me to do a QB sneak on a fourth and two? That doesn't make any sense. No, no, it made no sense. But at the same time, I think the Jets knew they had nothing to play for. They wanted, they wanted to try and put it on ice and, you know, kind of, End it with an no, emphatic I like the, statement, but I like the I like the uh, decision to. Yeah, I have no problem it. with it. I have no problem with it at all. The play call sucked. The play call was terrible. Yeah, just but the run decision the ball to go for Ty on Johnson. fourth down was not bad. Run the ball with Ty Johnson or Tevin Coleman. Right, right. But that's besides the point. I do have before we move on to running backs. I found our draft from the non-coong. Oh, okay. And so. There's this block here of rounds nine to 12. And I'm going to tell you all the quarterbacks that went from okay. round nine to round 12. All right. So Justin Herbert went at the nine, 10. Okay. And then uh, Ryan Tannehill went at the 10, three or 10, four, excuse me. He went at the 10, four. Uh, Jalen hurts went at the 11, one to you. Hi. And. Uh, Matthew Stafford went at the 12-7 to me, and Tom Brady went at the 12-10 to you. Hi! And the funny funny thing was about that draft is I did did not want Tom Brady again. I I, I wanted Stafford. I wanted Stafford there, but then when Tom Brady fell to me, it was just like, well, I got to fucking take him now. Well, so it's funny because that draft – uh, we didn't do that live. I think I was working that night, but yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, like, fuck, I waited too long on a quarterback. It's like the 10th round or the 11th round. I waited too long on a quarterback. And it was between Matt Stafford and Tom Brady. I was like, ah, oh, man, I really, I'm not crazy about Matt Stafford, but I really, 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 really don't want to take Tom Brady. Oh, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> if you took Tom Brady, may God have mercy on your soul. I would, I would have never let you hear the end of it. If Tom Brady was taken by me in that draft, I, I mean, I must have accidentally left auto draft on. Like that would be the only explanation. There is a better chance of a blizzard in hell than you taking Tom Brady. No way. So better yeah. chance, better chance. I mean, of it worked out. Storm in hell. It worked out. Matt Stafford was a great pick. Yeah, he was a great yeah, quarterback. Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford was good. But uh, before we move on to the running backs, you, you did actually conjure a thought with running through the um, the draft there. It's important for, for you managers to understand that 
ADP only helps at ADP average draft position. Just want to point that out there because we are in we're in we're in dummy season now where people are, you know, going to get into things and we're going to be explaining things more thoroughly. So ADP average draft position. ADP only helps to a certain extent because while it gives you concrete data of where guys are being taken on a collective level, it doesn't help you necessarily when you're in drafts because you need to get a gauge as to what your draft room is going to look like. You need to get an understanding of the tendencies of what other drafters are doing. So in leagues where you've been together for five, maybe you've been together for 10 years, you kind of have a gauge as to what guys like to do. You have an idea of, oh, is this guy more likely to go RB, RB rounds one, two? Is this guy more likely to shake it up with an RB or or, or a wide receiver round one, round two? Is this guy going to go high end with the tight ends? Is he going to be, you know, streaming tight ends? And with the quarterbacks, is this guy going to go all out for Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or is he going to wait to take a middle, middle of the road kind of guy, like a Hertz, like a Burrow, maybe on the more extreme end, maybe like a Brady or, or a Herbert or a Dak, you know, that, that's just the kind of gauge that, that each fantasy manager has to understand that when they're in drafts, they have to be able to identify what each of their opponents for lack of a better phrase, what their fellow managers are going to do. Yes. For example, Bird knew that he was probably going to get Tom Brady in this situation because he knows that I vehemently hate Tom Brady with the fury of a thousand sons and I would never take him. See, no, no. I, I, I know what I did. So I had been in a draft the night before and I had gotten Tom Brady in that draft. And I well, was saying you knew that he was going to fall to you probably because if it was me coming up and Tom Brady was there, then no, 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 no. <laughs> because I, I was actively avoiding Brady because I didn't want to have him in two spots. I really, what I going back, what I should have done was taken Stafford and then give you the give, make the pick very difficult for you with Brady or Hertz. But I was very high on Hertz. I, I liked Hertz a lot. And I said, you know what, in round, I don't know, what was it, Adam? 11 is what I think you said. Round 11, does, it doesn't matter. Round 11 with Hertz. 11, was, 11, you picked Hertz. Yeah. Yeah. Round 11 with Hertz. I was like, ah, okay. You know what? I like Hertz. I think it's good value for him. I'll take him there. And and I did. Going back, what I should have done was make it a bit more difficult for you for a decision, knowing that I knew you weren't so high on Hertz and Brady is self-explanatory. But now let me, I would let have me... taken I would have taken Trace McSorley if it was between Trace McSorley and Tom Brady in a draft. I would I would take Trace Trace McSorley. Would you have taken Hertz over Brady? All yes. seriousness. You yeah, would've. yeah, I would have. Okay, okay. Well, right, I mean, so listen, then I made if I like object. I don't know. Myself biases and all. I yeah, no way. And look what I did with Hertz. I ended up trading him for Hunter Renfro, my guy. Steal of the year. Yeah. Well, you ended up starting Brady. You picked Hertz earlier, but yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? 
Well, because I also had hurts in, in my super flex and I was just kind of done with having hurts in two different spots. And I, I, and I was never starting hurts. I was never going to start hurts where I had Tom Brady. There just, there's no chance. Yep. Especially with Gronk and you had that Brady Gronk stack. I mean, mm, yummy McYum yums. You know, actually, just looking at the running backs and looking at the top performers for running backs, I keep thinking about something that you and Jake talked about in the mailbag and probably on other episodes of the fantasy show Uh where you've both said, I'm done taking players on bad teams and hoping they succeed. And ding, ding, ding. Yeah. I mean, you see this with the running backs. Like, I mean, classic fourth round bust, Mike Davis. Did I not say that in the, in the buildup to uh, draft season? You did say that classic classic. And I mean, you have guys like Antonio Gibson who granted was hurt, but he was on a bad team, a really bad team. And he was, you drafted him in the first round or the second round. And like, sure he was good but like he didn't give you what you wanted every single week. And honestly, a lot of running backs didn't give you what you wanted every single week. DeAndre Swift, for example, like he was hurt for a lot of the year. And this also goes into another thing that I learned and that we continue to learn every single year is the importance of handcuffs and depth. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I, I can't, I can't say it enough. I mean, especially when you, if you're taking, if, if you have, if you're taking a running back in the top two rounds, you need to be drafting their handcuff at least three rounds higher than you expect them to go. Because having that handcuff is so fucking important. It really is like how many Dalvin cook managers were completely screwed when they did not have Dalvin Cook during the playoffs, and they had and they and they didn't have Alexander Madison, let's just say, completely screwed. How many Christian McCaffrey owners were completely screwed when he didn't play for basically the remainder of the year and didn't have Chuba Hubbard? Like Chuba Hubbard was was no better. Like I, I just want to you know put that out there. Hubbard was not great, and he was definitely not startable uh, for the second half of the season, but. You know, they were they were left with a difficult decision that they had to, you know, maybe sell off another piece to go get a running back. And that that's just the, the whole point of you need to make sure that you have that handcuff. It is so important. And it, it takes and there are people out there. It, it's it's <laughs> I don't want to get political with this, but I'm, I'm going to go there because it, it, it it's please it's don't too do good. this. It's please too don't. good. No, no, okay. no, no. It's, it's quick. It's quick. You'll see where I'm going. Okay. It's like, it's like the, the, the vax anti-vax sort of deal. Oh no. But now we have the handcuff versus not handcuff argument. So in the sense that one party is stupid and the other party is not stupid. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. Where you, where you now have people that are hanging on for dear life to the not handcuff brigade and they're consistently getting screwed consistently. And I say it all the time. It takes you to get burned two or three times. It takes you to get infected 
two or three times with a missing out on a running back that you took in the top two rounds for you to realize, get your fucking handcuff. It should only take one time. Well, for some, it takes two or three. For some, it, for some, it does take two or three times them to learn their lesson. And I mean, I know, I know for, for, for me, it took, it took two times, two times for me to understand the importance of having a handcuff with the higher end, with the higher end running backs. And once, once you get burned, you get burned twice. You, you, you finally learn your lesson. I think that one thing that's always, that I've always questioned is, and since we are in dummy season and like tutorial season, it's not really dummy season, it's tutorial season. Tutorial, tutorial. Don't want to be disparaging to potential new fancy players. We don't want, we don't want it to grade here. We're, we are in, uh, we are an open welcoming community here. But I've always wondered which running backs I should be handcuffing. As far as like, I know the early rounds, but if you're getting an injury prone guy, like I feel like I was dumb because I drafted Chris Carson and I didn't handcuff, and he was my flex. He's my third running back that I drafted, and I feel like, man, maybe I should have gotten Alex Collins or something like that, like a handcuff because he, I, because he's injury prone or he's injury prone. I mean, that's 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 what it is. Like somebody like like a Nick Chubb who gets hurt a fair amount. See, Chubb, Chubb, I think, is the outlier there because Chubb, you had two different guys. Or so Gibson. Like, what, were, what were you going to do? You were, you were going to go invest three roster spots into the Cleveland Browns? Or maybe even like Damian Harris, who seems like he's getting that injury-prone moniker. Uh, but Yeah, but when Damian Harris – Damian Harris could actually be a good one because he, he no doubt was the unquestioned guy for – Bill Belichick. I mean, the guy had 14 touchdowns this year, Damian Harris. The quietest 14 touchdown year that I, I think I can recall. He was tied for James with James Conner for 14 touchdowns. Like, let, let, let's let's not get that mistaken. Damian Harris had just as good of a year as James Conner did. Oh my, you are actually right. Yeah. I had to I had to check that. Yeah, he yeah, had four, no, 14 touchdowns. That's crazy. He had 14 touchdowns, Damian Harris. He's, he's the unquestioned guy for the Patriots. So he's a guy that I think is perfect to handcuff with Ramondre Stevenson. I think it's a, actually a, it's a great example. Of, well, I mean, he had he had five touchdowns in his last two games. Hey, better than nothing. Just, say, he won, just, just saying. He won people championship. That's, that's all that matters. But even, okay, so it going, going into week 16, then he had nine touchdowns. He yeah. was going to get double digit touchdowns, which is – which is great with, with David Harris, a guy that a lot of people liked and a guy that a lot of people are going to like going into next year, because you know how, you know, everyone has these, these turtle sized brains. They, they, they just remember what happened during the playoffs last year. And I bet, I bet you, I would bet money that we hear, Oh, Damien Harris was a, was a league winner during the playoff run a hundred million times in this off season and how people are just going to be going nuts over Damian Harris and his potential once again for, for next year. But well, it explains he, the hype for Miles Gaskin to a T. Who? Who? He, I'm sorry. He who shall not be named. 
yeah, yeah you, Jake, Jake yeah. and I have taken a vow of silence when it comes to uh, when it comes to that 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 person, or even handcuffs for guys on the 49ers who where it's a committee. I don't know. Handcuffs, committees, there's kind of like a blurred line between them if you get far it's, enough. It's interesting. That's an interesting one there, too, because you had Raheem Mostert, who was going to be the guy. Raheem Mostert gets hurt in week one. Everyone thinks that who drafted Trey Sermon, oh, my God, I just got a fucking gem. Start Trey Sermon week two, it turns to be Elijah Mitchell, and Elijah Mitchell becomes the guy for the 49ers for the rest of the season and potentially beyond for, for them because he was very, very, very good. And then also Jermichael Hasty was just lurking in the background for whenever and, Elijah and, Mitchell get injured. And Jeff Wilson. And, and Jeff, Jeff Wilson. Wilson. It was it was like everybody besides Trey Sermon. Yep. Trey Sermon was in the Brandon Ayuk doghouse. Uh he was deeper. He was deeper than than Brandon Ayuk. At least Brandon Ayuk was on the field. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Trey Sermon. Beats me. That's like the Christian Hackenberg cone of silence. It really is. It really, really is. Uh, and and Adam, you did steal mine too, which is why you know we're uh, we, you partially stole mine um, when we're talking about that. I don't want to draft running backs on bad teams. So oh. okay. you, you kind of partially stole mine, which is why you know we're we're talking about this as in depth as we are. But the 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 handcuff argument, I I, I could get behind, and and that's a. That's a great lesson for, for fantasy managers to own, especially as oh my God, especially if you're drafting a running back in the first round like that. It, it's a must. Yeah. That's a given. Yeah. But especially I think like the, the Chris Carson argument that you made. Yeah. Chris Carson with Alex Collins. Okay, cool. But what did Alex Collins do for you after the fact? It turned out to be Rashad Penny. Like nobody expected that. No. Well, I mean, that's because Alex Collins got hurt. Hey, Adam. My prophecy of Rashad Penny being good has finally lived up to its promise. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I was right. I was right. If only you had been right about Sam Darnold. I thought that was can't miss. Hey, listen, I was right. I was right about Josh Allen though. Thank goodness. The one, one of my best draft guy. calls I ever made. The one guy. One of the best draft calls I ever made. Yep, Josh Allen. I remember. I remember. Sorry, Jake. I'm about to throw you under the bus. Jake said I was fucking crazy. I remember that. With Josh Allen. He called me all sorts of things for my take on Josh Allen. I said, dude, watch. Dude could throw a football out of the goddamn stadium. Oh, he's got he's got some bad accuracy. Okay, get him a number one fucking receiver. He'll change. That'll change. I think I remember that was a fun episode of the Required Radio Fantasy Show. But I think when you said he could throw the ball out of the stadium, I think I said, so can Jamarcus Russell <laughs> in response to that. Well, Jamarcus Russell, Josh Allen does not weigh uh, 312 pounds like Jamarcus Russell did when he reported training camp for, uh, for the Raiders. No. Well, I mean, Kyle Bowler could also, well, in his time, could throw the ball out of the stadium. Kyle Bowler could throw, could throw the ball a country mile. Yes. That, that, that From is his true. knees. That is true. That is true. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. And how did he turn out? Not like Josh Allen. Ask Joe Flacco how he turned out. The love of the love of my life, Josh Allen. Great guy. He's proved he's proven me right. Yeah. Well, were you proven right about Baker? Did, I, you liked him, right? I 
uh, I liked him, but not as a number one pick. For me, for me, the guy in that class was Donald. God, the slander for Baker Mayfield now is crazy. Unfair. Very, Very unfair. unfair. I agree. Very unfair. He had the guy's he got had a torn labrum. Hurt had nobody to throw to in a run first offense. That that offense is just not fit for what Baker Mayfield does particularly well, which is make plays with his legs. And obviously he's not gonna go and be, you know, Mr. Adventurous when he's one bad hit away from landing on his shoulder and needing to be taken out of there on a wheelchair. Like, well, I mean, we got, we like got to be fair to Baker. Well, that's why he's wearing the sling, but like, frankly, Baker shouldn't be playing or shouldn't have been playing. That's another argument. That's another argument that it should Baker have even been playing at all. Because that's just irresponsible. Irresponsible, but you go, go tell an athlete whose job it is to compete that he can't play. I, I wish you the best of luck in that endeavor. Well, thank God I'm not a doctor. Remember, Adam, you keep telling people that I am. I'm not a doctor. Dr. Caster, remember, Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open with a torn ACL and a broken fucking leg. Philip Rivers won a playoff game with a torn ACL. Exactly. Tony Romo basically played an entire season with a punctured lung and a Kevlar vest around his body 24-7. I still can't believe that that happened. It was the first. It was the first time that I ever heard of someone having a punctured lung. It's like, wow. This probably was like 13, 14 year old me. It's like, wow, that sounds fucking painful. I Little imagine. Did I know it was fucking painful. I imagine people with punctured lungs being close to death, not being will, not willingly getting hit more. Hey, there, there are some people that just can't handle the pain. My God, Tony Romo could do it. Great guy. Did you see Romo Vision on Sunday? It was a great invention. Whoever came up with that, they deserve a raise. That producer, my God. Please, Tony Romo makes enough money. Give him a medal. No, I'm talking about the producer. Okay. Tony. Tony. Well, Tony Romo probably came up with it. Tony is very, very, very comfortable. If he wants to to, uh, come on the podcast, he can come on anytime. My guy. Love him. So, receivers. Yes. Uh, don't draft head cases. <sighs> There's only one example of that. Adam, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I oh, I was so sad that I that I don't get the Jets in Utah. Oh, I was so sad. But I saw it all over social media. It was crazy. I, I was watching with a group of people in my home. We were in the basement where everyone was just kind of talking, talking, talking. I look at the TV and I saw Antonio Brown doing that. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, is he out of his fucking mind? Little did I know, this is Antonio Brown we're talking about. Of course he is. And then the first thing is everyone was saying that, oh, he's got to be hurt. I'm like, guys, a guy that has a, quote, bad ankle is not jumping up and down, waving his arms around yeah, he was like doing, that. I thought he was doing it. The crazy thing is I saw the video. At first I was like, oh, he must have done it, you know, during halftime or something or whatever. And then you see the video of him doing jumping jacks or waving at the crowd in the end zone. 
and you see that the teams that are playing the game they play the game it was in the middle of a fucking play on the other side of the field it was in the middle of a fucking play like what if, what if they threw kidding me what if they threw a touchdown like like what if like braxton barry i don't know who was on offense at the time tampa it was the boss oh, what if mike evans is like oh hey ab he's like running in the end zone no mike evans was on the sideline oh well whatever oh. Here's, what if like somebody on the ta- on the on the box was like, "Oh, hey, AB, how's it going?" <laughs> so here's the story. This is this is from my father. So he was he was at the game. So okay. He, so where he, was he, he sitting? He was at the forty yard line, sitting across the way from the Bucks bench. So he wasn't okay. behind the Bucks bench. He was on the other side of the field, behind the Jets bench. But he had mm-hmm. his binoculars and he he was zoomed in in the entire thing. Okay. Here's what he told me. This is this is from the source. He said to me. That AB came off the field, threw his helmet around, sat on the bench, was talking some shit. Someone came over to him, told him to get in, paraphrasing, probably said, you know, time for you to go back in. The guy walked away. Then Bruzarians came over. And that's when all hell just kind of broke loose. Some words were, were kind of said. AB, wa- yeah. AB walked away. Then it was Mike Evans and OJ Howard that were trying to calm him down. Eventually, it was Mike Evans that was trying to keep him on the field. And then that's when the video yeah. that we all saw of him ripping his jersey off, throwing his gloves, uh, just having having a full on meltdown in front of all of our eyes. It, it was the most it was the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen in my life, and it is something that we will never see again. Ever. You know, you know what? Never this, see anything like that ever again. You know what this reminds me of, actually. So funny enough, this actually also happened at MetLife Stadium during a Jet game. Do you remember in 2017, Jets Chiefs, Marcus Peters? So the when he threw the flag into the crowd, he threw the flag into the crowd. He thought he was ejected, and he he was not ejected but he ran back into the locker room. It's not Vaguely the same. similar. Kind Vaguely of. similar. But it was kind, kind of. of like weird. It was a weird thing. Kind of. Also kind during of a Jet similar. game. Also during a Jet game. Who, who would have thought? The Jets just bring out the worst in everybody. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe Antonio Brown's just a very unhinged person. Thank you, Vontez Perfect. Well, whatever. I'm not his therapist. I'm not going to make any assumptions, but he just, I don't know. Whomever is his therapist, whoever's his agent, God bless him. Apparently there was a story that came out that said Antonio Brown was talking to his agent and that Antonio Brown said to his agent that he was going to go on Instagram live. And his agent basically said to him, "Um, yeah, please don't do that. Oh God. You know, actually, so... I listened to this podcast uh, that's called Agent Provocateur, and it's with Alan Walsh. Alan Walsh is Mark Andre Fleury's agent. Yes, and also Mark Martin Havlat when he played, and Max Pacioretty's agent as well. And so, I can only imagine if Antonio Brown had like an Alan Walsh agent, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to be going on Instagram Live after this game." Alan Walsh is like, "Fuck you! No, you're not. Absolutely not." It's kind of it's kind of like if Mark Andre Fleury said to Alan Walsh, "Hey, I'm going to go on Instagram Live after the owner of the Las Vegas Golden Knights completely lied to me, and I'm going to go call this dude a fucking asshole on Instagram right now." 
when he got traded to the Blackhawks. Yep. Sort of, sort of the same thing. Sort of, the same sort, thing. sort of the same. Also, and then he went to a net game. And See, he wasn't wearing his mask right. He was wearing it below not. his nose. I'm like, this guy just can't do anything right. Well, to be fair, I, I do wear my, my mask below my nose too, but that's, that's, uh, that's another debate for another day. Um, it's not a I debate, g- it's science. <laughs> can I give my, uh, my takeaway, please? Yes. Wide receiver is going to be as deep as ever. I mean, just looking at the guys you could have had, just looking at the guys in rounds five to round eight. Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, T. Higgins, Odell, panned out all right, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, just the sort of guys that are there. If you want to go even deeper, Jalen Waddle, Brandon Cooks, Michael Pittman, Darnell Mooney, Mike Williams. Keep going on and on and on. Hollywood Brown in round 12. You can get receivers at such a good price if you're willing to really wait. But the problem is, is that you have to hit on those receivers. I mean, people waited for Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, people waited. Yeah, me, me included. Pick me. People waited for Christian Kirk. I mean, people, and it's uh, on the other end of the spectrum, people drafted Terry McLaurin pretty high. Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, his ADP was three, six. And people drafted Tyler Boyd. They didn't draft him that high, but, you know, people waited for Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd was round nine. Yeah. And I think really my takeaway, and we haven't really, it kind of, one of my takeaways anyway, that kind of blends into this one is that there's always guys coming out of the woodwork. They'll surprise you. Always bang on. And half of the receiver position is luck. It seems like. Um, And also I'll, I'll, I'll add on to that point. If there is a receiver coming out that is playing with their college quarterback, make sure you draft that receiver. Yeah. I mean, we had two of those that really just broke the mold with Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase and, and Devonta Smith was, was okay. Like, I'm not going to say that he was, he was like great or anything, but I mean, he was good. Jamar Chase was the wide receiver five and Jalen Waddle was the wide receiver 14. So I remember when we thought that Jamar Chase didn't know how to catch the football. Those were some. No, 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 no. That was not, that was not, that was not us. That was not us. That was pro football focus. No, well, I know. I'm saying we as a collective. No, we were told Jamar Chase did not know how to catch a football. Okay. We do not believe that because the same thing was said about Justin Jefferson. So if there's any if there's any article or thing that comes out about a wide receiver who's struggling against third teamers next year, take that wide receiver because they're guaranteed to be stars. I mean, look at this list of the top 10. Who would have thought so highly of Deontay Johnson? Hunter Renfro is, I mean... Holy shit, Hunter Renfro. Debo Samuel, my guy. guy. I third highest scoring receiver in full point PPR with only 73 catches, too. And you know, look at the carries. Look at the carries, too. Debo Samuel, 13 total touchdowns. Yeah, he's like a Debo Samuel's RB3. 
Yeah. Were you like kidding? And Debo Samuel was hurt. At least he was like he didn't, he only missed like a few games, one or two, but he was banged up for basically the whole year. And he put up those numbers. Yeah. And, and you also need to look at the fact that there were also games where he was primarily primarily utilized as a running back, not even as a receiver. He had a couple of one catch days. And, you know, he basically was was used as, as like a Swiss Army knife sort of player. And there were times where he was the best running back that the San Francisco 49ers had. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like the receiver version of Cordero Patterson. Yeah, yeah. He screams bust for me next year, though. He really does. Well, I think he's going to get drafted really high. He's going to. He absolutely is going to. Because I they, not done, they see the offense. Before you even ask, because I know you're thinking about it, before you even ask, I have not done any 2022 recs yet. It's only January. I don't think that's kind of ridiculous. Well, I have to come up with some preliminary ranks to kind of, you know, base because, you know, I, I, I am an employed writer now, so I, I have to uh, have something to go off of. I can't I can't just, uh, you know, talk out of my ass. I can't wait to see your name pop up on the uh, on the fantasy pros consensus. Like, <laughs> That's wait, a dream. Ed, Ed Birdsall ranked carry on Johnson as the number one running back. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised. <laughs> number 33 on the field, number one in my heart, carry on Johnson. You know, it's funny, oh. it's funny you say that too, because I had not heard carry on Johnson's name in a while. And this is the second time that I've heard carry on Johnson's name in the last 72 hours. I could just imagine Ed Birdsall's 2022 rankings, top five running backs, Joe Mixon, carry on Johnson. Cam Akers. Um, You're learning. Yeah. Alvin Kamara, RB100. <laughs> Alvin Kamara is down there with, I don't even with Let's, Miles Gaskin. Ooh, great shout. Great shout. Let's see. What what, rec- what receivers don't I like, Adam? Let's see. Let's see. Well, Let's see how good are you? There's one obvious changed. one. It's probably changed now. There's one, there's one obvious one. There's one obvious one that I do, I, I do not like. T. Higgins. No, 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 no. I love T. Higgins. Debo I Samuel. Well, Debo, Debo's one. Debo's one. Not the one I was thinking of, but that is one, yeah. Well, I know that you don't like – you have fallen out of love with T.K. Metcalf. Um, um, we're okay. We're okay. He had 12 touchdowns this year. Like – I can't say I fall completely out of love with DK, but you're very close when you said DK. It's the guy that I, I don't just, like. It's Tyler Lockett. Fuck him. <laughs> He's the Fuck reincarnation him. of Doug Baldwin, who Fuck. you also don't like. Oh no! Oh my God, Doug. Fuck Doug Baldwin. I never got. I never got that crap. Hey, remember? Remember the fantasy managers that were uh, trying to convince us that taking Julio Jones the four ten was a good idea. Yeah, that's another one. That's another takeaway. You see an aging receiver on an old on a on a new team, maybe don't pick that player high. Especially one that's injury prone. Yeah. Pretty very curious as to where Allen Robinson ends up. I still think there's a lot left in that tank. I just think, I think he, he was just stuck. Didn't, he just didn't want to play. He was just not motivated. I don't blame him. 
And I, he was honestly, hurt. I don't blame him. He wasn't motivated and he was hurt. I mean, this is a con that's crazy. That's the crazy thing. This is a contract year yeah. for Allen Robinson. And yeah. I'm very curious to see where he goes. I mean, if he's back at Chicago, I, I, I'm just going to gouge out my eyeballs. But I don't think he goes back to Chicago. I, I well, that's really... a new coaching staff. Clean slate for Allen Robinson, most likely. Yeah, but that has to be on a franchise tag. And I, I just I think that time is done for him. I think, he on want, the Jets. I think he wants to go to a place where he can win a championship. <clears throat> Green Bay. <clears throat> oh. oh, my God. Just Alan. rip out Benny's heart. Why don't you? Oh my God, Allen Robinson with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but Devontae, who knows if it's Devontae Adams? What's he going to do? He's going to get franchise tech. Imagine a receiving Big. core Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, and Devontae Adams. He's going to get franchise tech to get your hopes up. And Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Fine. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, and Allen Robinson. That, that, that's one I think that I could say. That's one that I could say. The crazy that, thing is that, that Corey sense. Davis might be the wide receiver three in that scenario. Could be. Yeah, he could be. But I think I I don't know. I think Allen Robinson's gonna go to a place where he can he can contend for for a championship. Like, I don't know. This this might be this might be you know crazy talk. And this might be, you know, some some bias coming out here. But say say Dallas wants a number three receiver. Oh, give me a bit. No well, way. If Michael Gallup is going to be is going to be out next year. Michael Gallup's in a contract year. They don't have to bring back Michael Gallup if they don't want to. Yeah. Or they could sign. Oh, they could sign him to a to like a two year deal, stashed out on IR, and boom, Allen Robinson on a one year prove it deal. They've done it before. They they brought in Robert Quinn on a one year prove it deal, and he ends up signing a five year deal with the Bears and becomes the Bears all time sack leader for a single season. So you're gonna tell you're gonna tell me that the Cowboys are gonna Nikita Kucherov, Michael Gallup. They're gonna Nikita Kucherov, Michael Gallup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're we're gonna be the Tampa Bay Lightning of the NFL. So you're so you're gonna be cheating, is what you're gonna we're, be. We're doing. going to flat out cheat. Yes. We're we're go, we're going to cheat. Well, then maybe you should sign Tom Brady. He's pretty good at that. So I've heard. Hey, Jerry. Jerry wanted to sign Tom Brady. The problem is that we we had this guy named Dak Prescott. Could the Cowboys be? If Tom Brady signed with the Cowboys, I don't think they could be any more insufferable. Oh my God! Would they be insufferable? Would I be insufferable? Oh, the problem is we would win. That would suck. Oh, that'd be amazing. Well, they'd have at least two losses because you know Tom Brady can't beat the Giants. Oh, we would beat the Giants. No problem. He beat the Giants this year, Adam. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Um. Do you have any other takeaways for receivers? Because I mean, we kind of flip flopped and went in a bunch of different places. Well, Adam and I, Adam and I had this discussion on the uh, on the previous podcast. If you want to go back, this is a very very uh, it was a very quick uh, discussion. But uh, Adam and I had the Cooper Cup versus Devontae Adams uh, debate. For me, Devontae Adams is my number one receiver, and for Adam, it is uh, is Cooper Cup. And we'll have that conversation, I'm sure. Uh, I heard throughout. you mention. I heard you talk about me on the mailbag. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and I knew I knew you were going to listen. I was I was going to talk bad about you behind your back. I, I made and sure you, when you were listening, I wanted to make sure that your your ears were perked. And you literally said, "I was actually flying home. I was at the airport. It was like twelve thirty in the morning, and I just hear Bert say, I know Adam's listening.' And we actually had this conversation. I was like, "God damn it, he knows." <laughs> of course I do. 
I knew everything. I wonder if Jake listens to our show. He does. Oh, good. He does. Many people listen to our show, Adam. We're, 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 we're famous people. I'm aware. That's why we're still doing the show. We're not just Absolutely. broadcasting to the void. Oh, God, no. That'd be diabolical. Can you imagine? It would be like, would you, you're writing all these mailbag questions yourself. Oh, you're posing God, as no. all these guys, all these different people. That'd be terrible. No. I know. We I have w- a very I- healthy following. I wish that I, at the time, in any given day, to sit down and come up with what was the what was the mailbag that we had? Twenty seven different questions. Twenty seven. Oh my fuck! I, I don't have the time. Fair enough. I had the t- I had the time to to pull up and pull up an email that has all the fucking questions in it, and that's it. Uh, yeah, but that's really more. We could talk about that in our end of season wrap up really where we give out like superlatives and stuff like that yeah that'll be that'll be next week by the way we are on uh, on one episode per week so just kind of put that in your uh in the back of your of your noggins if you are uh if you're sitting there on a uh on a friday or a saturday and you're saying well where's where's my other episode we won't be doing two episodes until probably after the nfl draft that's when well, we'll you probably... and Jake are doing a mailbag this week, aren't you? Um, potentially, potentially we are do- we're doing a mailbag this week. It's either gonna be this this week or uh, or next week. We'll be doing a mailbag. Depends on depends on what kind of questions that we uh, that we get. That is a that is a TBD at this moment in time. But then the Basement Talk podcast comes back next week, so you you'll get two episodes a week from the channel, but you're not gonna get two episodes a week from the fantasy show. That'll be one episode a week until. Until after the NFL draft, then after the NFL draft, we'll be back to two episodes a week. Yeah. So before we move on to tight ends here, I do have a question about the, about like, do you think that you're like our kind of thought process of players on bad teams, avoid players on bad teams. Does that apply not just to running backs? I think it applies to just about every position. I mean, quarterback maybe because they're throwing a lot, and receiver could be one where I would say that that's probably probably doesn't apply because you I'm on Ross St. Brown who was unreal at the end of the season. And I mean, just, maybe just bad quarterbacks. Although I mean, Debo Samuel, I don't know, Elijah Moore. I mean, Zach Wilson's good, but like yeah. still. But even if you're looking, you're looking at I'm on Ross St. Brown stats, right? Before week 12, he had three games with double-digit fantasy points in full PPR, including a missed game in week seven. After that, weeks 13 to 17, he had at least 11 targets in every single game. He had at least eight catches in every single game. He had 15 fantasy points in every single game. And in four or five, he had at least 20 fantasy points and had six touchdowns in five games. Yeah, but he had, a comp- he had a competent quarterback. I think did he, he did he? Two of his weeks were with Tim Boyle. Mm, yeah. I mean, granted, he's an granted, exception. Granted, those weeks were also against Atlanta and Seattle, who are not the most inspiring defenses in the world. Let's not get that mistaken. But still, he... I love, love 
love Abad Ross St. Brown. And I will be taking him everywhere I can. Adam, you know what time it is? What time is it? I've adopted a new son. Oh, boy. And his name is the Sun God. I'm on Ross St. Brown. That's nice. My son. I had I had a brief I had a brief fling with uh, Egyptian history, and I needed to name one of my my children after the sun god. So I'm on Ross St. Brown. It is. I think the other exception, as far as bad quarterbacks, is Brandon Cooks. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a that's a tricky one too because what a quietly good season for Brandon Cooks. Thousand yard season, yeah, and. He did it for the most part. He did it with Davis Mills. And Davis Mills, I give him full credit because he looked really, really good. I, mean, I won't say GREAT. He looked better than Trevor Lawrence at some points. I believe, I'm not mistaken, he has a chance next week to set the rookie career mark in completion percentage it's him and mac jones both of them have a shot i don't know i believe it is they're they're going for Dak's record of the highest completion percentage in a season set by a rookie well i think chad pennington has the highest or, or drew Brees has the highest for anybody in a season for any for anybody it's it, it's breeze but for a rook for a rookie it's Dak. And both of them have a chance to break Dak's record next week, Mac Jones and Davis Mills. And I'm not going to say he's a franchise guy because I haven't seen it enough from him. But you know what? I have to say also, and this was a conversation I actually had with my dad today. We're ta- we were talking about we were talking about the Giants and how just flat out bad the Giants are. Fun fun fact. Everyone, everyone that has the last name of Birdsall, except except for Matthew, absolutely despises the Giants. And we're talking about the Giants, just how bad they look. Like they're not even trying. They're, they're not even trying. They twenty nine to three at one point versus the Bears. Are you fucking kidding me? I told you they're the Jets from two years ago. Negative net yards. That's a disgrace. But for last year. But anywho. We were talking about teams that are out of it, and we were talking about just how they're at least trying. You look at the Lions, they're trying. You look at the Jets. The Jets gave Tom Brady a run for his fucking money, and I respect that. That's you why should have won. That's why you have not heard me say a lick of bad about the Jets on this podcast, because they really, really impressed me. So shout out to the Jets. They looked great against Brady um, and the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans have competed. They've competed real hard. They just beat the goddamn Chargers last week. Who the fuck saw that coming? Not me, not you, Adam, not anybody listening to this podcast. Absolutely Nobody not. on this planet thought that the Texans were going to beat the Chargers. Nobody. And they did. They did. They're they, they are playing to end the year, even though they are out of it 
even though they are a team that let's just be quite frank about this. They suck. They are playing really hard, really good football. And I give them credit. And Brandon Cooks was a primary beneficiary of all of that. I mean, six touchdowns on the year. It's a good number for him. He's not really, not really at this stage of his career. Is not really, you know, a guy that you would expect to score a ton of touchdowns, but six touchdowns for him. It's a great mark. You, you, you can't be too disappointed with that. Thousand yards, 130 targets. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be very interested to see what happens with Cooks in, in the offseason because I think that he he could be a guy that you stick him in a in a spot on a contending team. He could be a guy that for fantasy managers would become very, very, very interesting. Well, like he has been for his career with New Orleans and with New England and with Los Angeles. Yes, yes. And he could be very, very interesting again. It just depends on on what what the situation holds with him. And I don't know if he let me just let me just pull this up on my uh, on my dual monitor, shall shall we? I'm just looking yes. up his if he's a free agent or not. I believe you'll be crazy. It's crazy to think about, but the Texans might with how the AFC South is and how like pretty mediocre it was this season. The Texans could have been a playoff team if they had Deshaun Watson's at quarterback instead of uh, Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor. So he is halfway through a five-year deal that he signed with the Rams. He's going to make $12.5 million next year. And then if the Texans want to cut him, he could be a free agent in 2023. Okay. Oh, okay. So the 2023-2024 years automatically void. So he's a free agent when he's 30. So he has one more year with Houston. Could the Texans trade that to a team that wants one year of Brandon Cooks to kind of see what they want and then maybe sign him to a long-term deal? It's possible. New England did it. Yeah, it's possible. And they almost won a Super Bowl, unfortunately. And, and, and who knows? Who knows with the lingering Deshaun Watson question? Maybe something miraculous happens where Deshaun Watson is, is in Houston next year. Me personally, I don't fucking think so. And I know damn well, Adam, you don't think so. I don't think so. But like I said earlier when you were looking that up, I mean, if Deshaun Watson was on this team, this Texans team, they could have been in contention for the playoffs with how bad that division is. With how bad the division is and how hard they played. I don't think they're the most talented team in the world, but did they play hard and did they show effort? Yes, they absolutely did. I give them credit. Yep. And do, I, really, do, I, do I dare say that they may have actually looked a little bit better with Davis Mills than they did without Tyrod Taylor? That might, be, that might be like a recency bias take, but I think it's also a fair one. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, Davis Mills has looked competent. He's looked good. Yeah. I mean, no, nobody expected this. Absolutely nobody expected this. Nope, not me. Not me. I'll be the first one to say it. Not me. But other receivers on bad teams, I mean, Kenny Galladay. Jesus. Oi, Gavalt. Oof. Yeah. Good luck to the Giants with that contract. Good luck. Uh, I mean, Elijah Moore was amazing. Love Elijah Moore. He's my, he's my son. No. <laughs> He's not, 
but so, he's great. I'm sorry, who? Elijah, Elijah, give me, give me more. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Sorry, I just stubbed my fucking toe. Ah, fuck. Oh, oh clip that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. Oh, oh, I was getting ready to fucking scream. And then I realized that we're in the middle of fucking recording. and I can't fucking scream shit. Ah, fuck. Oh, God. All right. Can we go on? Can we go on the tight ends, please? Yes. Just don't draft receivers on bad teams. Unless don't draft Kenny Galladay. Unless they have proven track records and not, and are not one seat. Kenny Galladay is a one season wonder. He's like David Johnson. He's the David Johnson of our time. Adam, that's a, that's a prediction that you made that actually was a damn good one. It wasn't a prediction. It just, it was an, it was an observation. No, I think that was, that was a prediction. You, I think it was a prediction show that uh, I was on a prediction show. You said that David Johnson is a one season wonder. I think it was with Jake and I, we both called you nuts. He, well, he is. And you were proven right. It always happens. There's always that one running back who's a one season wonder. Yep. Whether it be Sean Alexander or David Johnson or hopefully not Rashad Penny, but who Eddie knows? Lacey. Eddie Lacy. Alex Collins. Yeah. Miles Gaskin. Sorry. Okay, Adam. All right. You want war? All right. You, you've, you, you've chosen violence. Good, good to know. Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's, that's a fair one. That's a fair one. So, Adam, before, before you go ahead and, and look, if you haven't already, there is one, one tight end in the entire league that has a registered pass attempt on the year. Can you name him? I think I know who this is. Okay. The one tight end who has a registered pass attempt. Mm-hmm. That has thrown a pass this year. Oh, I think I. Is it Hunter Henry? Nope. Very close though. Very close. It was Johnu? Nope. Not Johnu. How's that very close then? Same division. Dawson Knox? Nope. Mike Kosicki? Mm-hmm. Mike Kosicki threw a pass? Mike Kosicki. Yep. I thought it was either going to be – I for some reason, I thought that Dalton Schultz threw a pass to nope. Dak, but no. Mike Kosicki has one registered drop-back attempt. When was it? I am not exactly sure. Uh, talk about a tight end takeaway, and I can give you that information. Uh, tight end takeaways. Maybe don't overdraft rookie tight ends. Maybe, maybe don't do that for hey, next year. We were right. We were right, Adam. We were right. But Kyle Pitts still finished the tight end five. So it wasn't, it wasn't like he was horrible, horrible or anything. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't horrible. Um, I guess another tight end takeaway would be there's always more fish in the sea. For tight ends, I mean, who would have heard of Dawson Knox as being a top 10, top 12 tight end before this season? 
Um, I would have thought that like Dalton Schultz was pretty good in 2020, but nobody could have foreseen this happening, especially with a healthy Blake Jarwin. Um, I mean, it Zach Ertz returning week. to form. It was this week. Yep. Interesting. Against the Titans. Did he complete the pass? No, he did oh. not. Can you dig deep enough and see who the who the intended receiver was? Because now I'm kind of. I can try. Probably not. I don't think. I could try. I mean, I know that Mike LaFleur loves to do those trick plays. Braxton Barrios has thrown a couple. They've done the uh, the Jets special. Matt Collins. Matt Collins. Some tight end on tight end action. Matt Collins is a tight end, right? Or is he a I would back? say he's like a, uh, a tight end wide receiver hybrid. That's what, gotcha. what I would call him as. Yeah. So what do you think about my – the not as serious – or, you know, rookie tight ends, whatever. But the there's plenty of fish in the sea. We'll probably never be in a position where we'll have to draft a tight end as high as people drafted Kyle Pitts ever again. But – Yes, I, I would agree that the, the hype with Pitts was just so over the top and, and profound that it's just it was just obvious. It was so obvious. Now, if there is anybody that did manage to draft Kyle Pitts, you probably got a nice return from him, especially you know late in the year. Had a nice little run to end the year, but only one touchdown for him on the year is pretty shitty. Um, I would expect that if he scored he, a touchdown and he was tight end five, what a fucking position. If he does play in week yeah. 18 with the hamstring injury that he suffered, he is more or less 81 yards away, 82 yards away from breaking Mike Dicka's record for most receiving yards by a rookie tight end in NFL history. I would make a good bet that the Falcons try and do everything in their power to get Kyle Pitts that record against the Saints. I would assume that they try and get him that record. But as far as next year is concerned, I would not be drafting rookie tight ends. I also think that this definitely applies to you want a good offense with your with your tight ends or at least where they're the focal point of their offense you want focal point and you want a good offense so if you're looking at you know dalton schultz finished as the tight end four remember the stat that i kept on saying throughout the year that during dak prescott's time in dallas that no tight end has ever had under 90 targets in a season that dak has completed guess what dalton schultz lit up that mantra he had 101 targets this year so there you go. Yeah. Well, and then the other one is that is my takeaway about there being plenty of fish in the sea. There as are. Far, yeah. Like you there don't are. need to, you don't need to draft as, as great as it is to draft guys like Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or Dalton Schultz, depending on where he signs. See my draft strategy next year is I'm going to draft Mark Andrews fucking everywhere. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying you don't have to. You don't have to, no. You don't have to, but it is, let me tell you, it, it, it was a treat having Mark Andrews. I mean, that that was 
decade experience of a lifetime. And he's going to be the number one tight end. Which is crazy. Over Kelsey. Now, Kelsey will be drafted over Andrews. I will bet you that. But Andrews is going to finish as the number, as the number one tight end. And, and I think that there's probably more. Oh, do I say this? I think there's more of a clear-cut opportunity for Andrews in Baltimore, given that he's the number one guy there versus Kelsey in Kansas City, where he's kind of splitting with Hill. Is that, sweat, is that, is that fair? We're sweating over here with this hot take. Is that fair, though? I'm schwitzing. Is that is, fair? Is it a fair yeah. take? It's a fair take. Okay. I'm just right, so is, that, is that super hot? No, no. It's, it's, not, it's not super hot fire. It's not super hot fire. Okay, I'm not. Sh- I'm not schwitzing that much. I swear. Okay, good. Okay, good. Schwitzing. Okay, good. 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 Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, schwitzing. Uh, you know that, take- that, that's a Yiddish word. Just, just so you, you know. Got it. Got yeah. it. Schwitzing. Schwitzing. Got it. I'm going to keep that in my, my memory bank. Uh, a tight end takeaway for me. Uh, very, very simple. Not much analysis really needed for this one. The tight end position really, really stinks. Yeah. Really, really stinks. Really, 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 really stinks. Um, before before we go, I want to ask you uh, something, and I want okay. I want your honest opinion on this. So, in my uh, keeper league right now, we're having we're having a a a, a discussion tonight. What do even say debate? A discussion about the sanctity of the defense and kicker positions in fantasy. Because I had proposed to get rid of defenses and kickers. Oh. I know I know what you're going to say, given you are Mr. Conservative over here. Well, listen, it's not even about that. You're, you're just eliminating two positions from fantasy. Yeah, but we would, we, so the, the, the plan would be get rid of the defense, get rid of the kicker, add an additional flex. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, but the argument the argument became that getting rid of defense and getting rid of kicker was too much. So I said, okay, fine, got that. So then we settled in. Then the argument really became about the additional flex. Ed in Huntington asks, <laughs> I, have a, I have a league dilemma. <laughs> I think I may have actually put that under my alias in the mailbag. Let me just go check and see if I can I find it. I knew it. Here. I knew you were writing questions in the mailbag. Of course, of course. For long-time listener, first-time caller, I have a league <laughs> dilemma. We're looking to looking we're looking to get rid of defense and kicker in our fantasy league. Actually, we have, we have a live caller right now. Let me let's bring up let's bring up uh, let's bring up my cousin Vinny. Vinny, you're live. Hey, how's it going, guys? I have a league dilemma question in my ten-team PPR league. I'm trying to get rid of our defenses and our kickers. I'm telling all my buddies. That defenses and kickers, they fucking suck. What do you guys think? Well, I think you should get your fucking shine box for one thing. <laughs> oh, oh, where's Vinny from? Where's Vinny from? He's from the Bronx. <laughs> he's from the Bronx. No, 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 no. He's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. He's he, Vinny. Vinny is from Brooklyn. Shout out. Shout out Brooklyn. Yeah. Vinny from Brooklyn. My people live in Brooklyn. Shout out Brooklyn. Love Brooklyn. Brooklyn is a great, great, great place. My parents are from Brooklyn. Or at least they used to live there. Yes, I remember you did tell me that. Yeah, they tell me that. My folks, my folks, my my grandma grew up, grew up in uh, in Queens. 
So we did not have any uh, any Brooklyn roots here. Yep, they lived in Park Slope. Flatbush over here. Before it was gentrified. Oh, I'm going to leave that one untouched. <laughs> well, it was. It is. I, I've said enough controversial things in this podcast today. I'm leaving that one untouched. Thank you, Mr. Caster. Thank you so much. Anyway, that's besides the point. But really, my dad grew up in Far Rockaway and my mom grew up in Wontaw. Oh, that's, Far that's Rockaway. We love Far Rockaway. Yeah. Love, love, love Far Rockaway. Great place. Shout out Far Rockaway. Yeah. Beautiful beaches. Beautiful area. Before, before we go, before we go, I'm, I'm going to open your eyes something. Do you know what James Holtzauer writes for The Athletic? You mean the Jeopardy guy? Yes, the Jeopardy guy. Interesting. For how long? That's crazy. He was hired in June. Who doesn't write for The Athletic? As a sports betting contributor. Well, I mean, it's what he does for a living, and now he gets actually paid for it. So, actually, we kind of got off topic talking about our uh, family heritage and impersonating Italians. I didn't even answer your question. Oh, shit. We'll answer my question. Go for it. I don't know. I'm not crazy about it. I, I think if you're going to delete positions in your fantasy league, you need to fill something with it. You need to, you need to have something else, whether which it be, is, which is why I, I suggested the additional flex. Cause I, I, I do agree. Whether it be, let's say you're considering either getting rid of tight ends or making your league tight end premium or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you, there needs to be a give and take when you're making fundamental changes like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We agree. I don't think I would ever do anything like that though, where I would just get rid of defense and kickers because people say all the time, the defense and kickers, you know, there's too much volatility. I don't want to lose because my kicker, whatever my opponent's kicker got 15 points. I remember I beat you one week a couple of years ago because Greg Zerline had 24 fantasy points. And that was pretty fun. And then you got, you were pretty mad, but like, listen, I understand it happens, but you, there's still a lot of thought process that goes into picking a defense and picking a kicker. I mean, kicker, maybe not so much. You're not really streaming kickers all the time, but defenses. I I, I am. Okay. You are. I mean, I just, I have a kicker and then he goes on by and then I have a new kicker. That's kind of how it goes for me. Adam there. See, I kind of disagree. I think there's more of an art with, kickers than there is with defenses defenses it's it's really just a it's a crapshoot like i'll give you a great example i'll give you a picture perfect example jake started the chargers defense in semifinal week against the texans who on god's green earth thought the chargers were were going to allow the texans to put a 40 bomb on them and because of that start Jake ended up losing in the semifinal by three points. 
I understand. Because of a fucking defense. Our defense is the only position that falls flat in good matchups. No, but the defense was what broke broke his back. Over luck. Over luck. I understand. I think the one argument that I could make for getting rid of defenses is that if you're really fucked by a defense, because like, listen, if a player just doesn't do well against a, with a good matchup, the lowest he can get you probably is zero or maybe negative one. You could be sitting at a negative seven or a negative six. If your defense is running into an offensive juggernaut or they just are having a really bad day at the office. But I understand people don't like all of that volatility, but I, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting. It's just an extra layer of strategy. It's an extra layer of strategy, but, but at the same time, I don't, I, I would rather my, my overall game plan not be decided by luck. But then people, then the, the counter to that is people are going to say, oh, this whole game is decided by luck. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I said, but less intelligent because I said that, you know, I, I yeah. summarized it perfectly. Because basically, like I said, you know, even the best players fall flat in good matchups. Yep. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, you're not going to be like, if Justin Herbert, did what he did against the Ravens. Are you going to say, well, we should just get rid of quarterbacks because I lost because Justin Herbert didn't do well against the Ravens. No, but there's a difference between, you know, key core positions like, like a quarterback and then a collective unit. Like I always, I always say, well, I say it every now and again, I don't always say it because I, not many people are crazy as I am, but if people want to do something that is so based on defense, do IDP. Simple. I'll be doing my, I'll be doing my first IDP leader next year. I'm very excited for it. I might actually want to get in on that. I've never done an IDP league either. It is a grind from what I understand. I thought you told me that you did one before. Like years ago. Years ago, I did. Years ago, I did, but I didn't really like... I didn't fully get the to get the gist of it if that makes sense yes like i wasn't super super committed but this will be like the first year that's like hardcore idp like i, I know the basics of it like i'm not gonna go in and be like oh well idp this is this is super fun right yeah i okay gun to the earth one position if i had to get rid of one position in fantasy, I'd probably get rid of defense. That's just because of, just because of the possibility of negatives ding, ding, and ding. like that sort of thing. Well, I, I know I wouldn't I know want for, to, but for, I'm just saying. For yeah. my leagues next year, what I'm doing is I'm getting rid of the uh, the potential for for zeros. And I think if we keep if we keep defense and kicker in that league, the whole scoring of defense and kicker is going to be revamped. I think. I think I'd probably like defenses more if they didn't have such a, if they, if there wasn't such a potential for them to fuck you over where well, that's just that's more to try and prevent more than any other position. Cause like I right. said, like, you know, you can't get so deep into the negatives. Like 
Brandon Ayuk, for example, like his first couple of weeks of the season, he was terrible. Didn't do anything for you, but he had zeros. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, that it doesn't help you, but it doesn't hurt you too bad either. When right. you get to the negative eights, negative sixes, negative sevens, not great. I think the farthest you can go is like negative five. I believe I'm not, I'm not exactly sure considering I've never actually checked on. I think it is negative five, but I mean, still that's, but I mean, it's considerable. Right. But I know, I know what I'll be doing is, you know, how with ESPN, anybody could take this and, and use this. I mean, I mean, feel free is getting rid of losing points because of yards. I think that's silly and making it more the points that are scored. So make, making more of a deduction on points that are scored against you. So say like they allow that. a field goal, you lose a point. If you could, if you can see a touchdown, you lose two points. Sack still counts as one. Turnover still counts as two. Fumble still counts as two. Touchdown still counts as six. Block counts as two. So on, so on, so on. But just getting rid of, getting rid of the fact that yards against your defense actually matter. I think. I think with the offenses in the NFL nowadays and, you know, no huddles and all the plays that are being run yards just doesn't make any sense. Agreed. I completely agree. So, yeah. Well, next week we're going to be having our year in review wrap up end of season show. Very exciting stuff. Super duper. Can't wait. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host at Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.